0: You're listening to Hebrews Jesus is Better series preached by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Lord, we come and we just rejoice even in those words singing how great thou art. Lord, I pray this morning you give us eyes to see your truth. I pray that in the assembly now at this service, You would speak freely and clearly. Lord, I pray that the message would sink into the hearts and lives of those who are here this morning. And Father, I pray, above all, that Jesus Christ would be glorified. And as we leave this place, if there's one here that doesn't know you, may they today see the glory of Jesus Christ. May they fall down and accept him as their Savior. May they repent and believe. And Lord, for those of us who do know you today, May we leave this place changed, profoundly changed. Lord, that we'll live out this week what you have for us today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, good to see your faces. I'm glad that you're here. And I'm glad I'm only doing two services today. So I got so much energy. I might run around. Who knows what I'll do? All right. I don't know what I'll do. So take your Bibles this morning. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. The text is Hebrews 11, but we'll be in Hebrews chapter 10. 10 to start with. For those of us who grew up in the 80s, which is not all of us, but many of us, you might be familiar with this pop song, You Just Gotta Have Faith. Some of you are, and some of you will be singing this the rest of the day, and you probably should not. But it reminds us that everyone is a theologian. Everyone. Everyone has thoughts about who God is and what faith plays in their lives and it reminds us that there are some very good theologians and bad theologians, but we are all theologians. The world talks about faith, and in one sense, as the world looks at faith, it's ridiculous. It's completely foolish. The quote is, it is a logical belief in the occurrence of the impossible. And there's a segment of our world today that All they see, well, actually, they see nothing, they know nothing, and they care about nothing other than what they see and what they feel, the temporal. Um, They don't realize that even they act in faith. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So the world's a little confused. It's actually bipolar. In one sense, it's completely foolish, but in other sense, they're confused. There are those outside of the church who believe that faith is this giant leap of faith. And I enter this dark room, and I just hope that there's a floor on the bottom of it. And so I, I, I have to have this inward leaning, this don't stop believing, another reference to the 80s. right? But that's the idea that I will; these feelings will be manufactured, and I just believe and keep on believing. And we don't even know what we're believing in or why we're believing, but we just believe. And that's problematic. I'm not here to correct the world. That's not my job. I'm more concerned with the church because the church seems to be confused and troubled with this matter of faith. And I'm not just talking about a segment of the church that really have, have hijacked the idea of faith through the, the, the blab it and grab it crowd, the name it and claim it, who just see faith as a tool to be used. I, you know, it's a genie in the bottle, and so my faith will get me everything and anything that I want, that in my faith, my wildest dreams will come true. Listen, I don't know who promised you that, but that was not Jesus at all. He never spoke those words. As a matter of fact, He promised that you have tribulation, trials, and trouble. So, right? And what makes it worth it is He's also promised eternal life. But, but that's a, a misconcept of faith. But for most of us, we know this morning that faith, somehow, some way, whatever that is, is vitally important. We know this morning we've been saved by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we understand, those who know Christ, we're saved by faith. We also understand that as believers, we are to walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. This is a command for us that we're supposed to do. And we also know that if we've been in the book of Hebrews for any length of time, especially chapter 11, we know that without faith, It's impossible to please him. So this is a big deal. And for many of us, faith is loosely defined or applied. So the question this morning for us is, what is faith? Because if it's so important, if it's vitally important, if we're supposed to have it to be saved and then to live by it, without it we can't please God, well then what is faith? And for many of us, we're scrambling right now, thanking God that we don't call on people. If you were to ask me, as a young man growing up, what is faith? Here's what I would do. I'd go to write to Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. And here's what i quote for you. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's wonderful. But I had to ask myself the question this week, what in the world does that mean? (laughs) what, What does that mean? And for some of you say, well, that's the problem with the King James. You don't even understand what that means. Okay, let me read for you the ESV. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Clear as mud? Let me go on. The NIV. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Is it getting better for you? Let me read one more, the Amplified Version. This is my favorite. Not my favorite, but in this message. The assurance, the title, deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality, faith, comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical sense. The last line is probably better than most, but our hope this morning is that as we talk about faith, we understand what it is and how vitally important it is not just to come in, but to live. And believer, I'm telling you this morning, faith touches every aspect of our life. If I am in Christ this morning, and I long to please him, I cannot do it outside of faith. So it's probably important to know what it is. Right? So let's look at, not Hebrews 11.1, 1, because the topic of faith does not start in Hebrews 11.1. 1. And we should do what all good Bible teachers and preachers do, and Bible readers, is we should look at the context. You don't just jump into Hebrews 11 and say, well, here's faith, and this is a definition. That's not where it starts. It actually starts in chapter 10. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 32. And remember, just remember, so the writer of Hebrews is talking to a group of believers who are discouraged, who have been marginalized, who many have lost their livelihood. You'll see in a moment that they've lost their goods or their homes. Some are in jail. And there's this sense now that pressure is coming, and they're thinking, wait a minute. It wasn't this bad before I came to Christ. And I might just go back to where I came from. And so he's writing to encourage believers to endure. And to endure. Now look what he says in verse 32. In light of that, he's going to remind them, but call to remembrance the former days. Like, when you first got in, here's what happened. You were illuminated. You were saved. You saw Christ clearly. And you endured a great fight of afflictions. You endured suffering. Partly, while you were made a gazing stock, both of reproaches and afflictions, he says, you were mocked. You were marginalized. You were made fun of, right? And... Partly, you became companions of those who were so used. Not only were you being mocked, but your friends were being mocked, and you had the courage to say, I'm with them. Right? Remember those shirts in the 70s, I'm with stupid? And they, had, they pointed to the guy next to you? Both my parents had those shirts. Their marriage did not last. All right? Probably part of the reason. Um, they were willing to suffer with other believers and say, we're in the same team. Not only that, he says, you had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. So, so stop for, this is what he said. He says to these Christians, you've been mocked, you've been ridiculed. Your friends have been mocked and ridiculed. And, and I have to tell you, some of you have been out of high school way too long. You forget what it's like to be mocked by somebody. It's terrible. It, it's terrible. There's nothing worse, honestly. I just probably stuff that's worse. But to have someone laugh in your face, or to mock you, it's, they were mocked. Not only that, their friends were going to jail. Their friends were going to jail. I know some of you have friends you want them in jail, but these were actually friends that they were going to jail, and their stuff. Their physical stuff was being taken. So let's just stop for a minute and let's just think in our own lives, in our Western world, that you become a Christian and everything's going great. All of a sudden, people are mocking you and making fun of you. And not only that, the local crowd is coming around and they're taking your stuff. They come into your home and say, hey, listen, Christian, you don't need this. You trusted God. I'm grabbing your fridge. And you say, glad you can have it. Hey, take the sofa too. And I will joyfully give this to you. I don't know that that would happen in our world today. Watch my sofa. I'm going to... Right? That's not what they did. They joyfully gave it up. And here's the question. Well, why would they do that? And he says, because they knew they had a better and lasting substance. Okay? Now think. How do they know that? Did they see heaven? Did they see a better... Or lasting substance? And the answer is no, they did not physically see those things. They, they hadn't seen those things. But what they did see was the promise of God. And and, and just so that you know, in Hebrews chapter 9, he's been talking to them a little bit. In Hebrews 9:15, here's what he says to believers, talking about the new covenant, the end of the verse he says this: They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Meaning, yeah, you see this stuff, but for those in Christ, you have an eternal inheritance. You have something that will last forever. And and they would have known, I'm certain of Paul's writing, Romans chapter 8, verse 17, where he says to believers, and if children, then heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? To be an heir of Jesus Christ means that everything that Jesus owns and has which is everything, is yours. And so here's a group of people who say, as persecution comes, um, we can joyfully endure this because we know, we know we have an eternal inheritance. Look what he says in verse 35. And and listen, as we go through this, your mind should start clicking now about faith, okay? Because this is what he's talking about. He says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence or your boldness, the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. And again, don't lose this. Their difficult circumstance was not that someone didn't like their page on Facebook. That that was not the difficulty. The difficulty was their friends were going to jail, and they're losing their stuff. Bear up. You need this patience. You need this endurance so that you can receive this reward. And the reward is clearly what they're hoping in, that there is an inheritance for God's people. Then he does something very interesting in verses 37 and 38. He's going to quote the Old Testament. And listen, it would be worth our while, whenever we see quotes from the Old Testament, to go back and read the context of the Old Testament quote. It's important. He doesn't pull this out for no reason. There's a reason here. And in the book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, I don't know how you say it. It doesn't matter to me. I learned it as Habakkuk. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. I'm a Gentile. I don't care. All right? That's how it goes. If You want to say Habakkuk, go ahead. But I, I can't do it. So Habakkuk is a prophet in, in Judah, and God's people are wicked. I mean, they're wicked. And he's looking around. He knows the law. He knows the promises of God. He says, God, wait a minute. Something's wrong here. Why haven't you judged your people? Because Habakkuk knew that a holy God must judge all sin. All sin. Not just the sins of Judah. The sins of Canada. The sins of the church. And Habakkuk says, God, you've lost control here. Your people are sinning, and they need to be judged. And God says, Habakkuk, listen, I'm on it. I will judge my people. So I say, okay, good. And so how are you going to do that, God? Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm gonna let the Babylonians come down and destroy this place. And now Habakkuk is like, wait a minute. You are of more pure eyes and behold evil. How are you gonna take a people that are more wicked than us and judge us by the Babylonians? They're vile, they're wicked. This, God, that doesn't make sense. They should be judged. And God says, You're right. I will. I will use them for my purpose to judge my people, and I will judge them for what they've done to my people. So he does. He does that. And that's what he says in this quote. When he he quotes Habakkuk, he says, for yet a little while, that should come from Isaiah, I think, 26. But then he says, And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And what he's saying is, hey, Habakkuk, what I said is true. I will judge my people, I will judge them by Babylon, and I will judge Babylon. And just for you history buffs, it happened. Just like God said. And so what he says to Habakkuk is, you live by faith. You be faithful and you live your life in accordance with what I just promised you. It will come. That's God saying, my word is true. You can trust this. It might not happen when you want it to, Habakkuk, but it's coming. And then he says in, in verse 39... He's, again, encouraging them to, to endure and to persevere. He says, But we are not of them who draw back into perdition. And he's reminding believers that for the believers who know Christ, we are not those who draw back. In our family, and, and I'm sure you, you've all done this, that we, we had sayings that we wanted our kids to know so that they would remember to help them get on with life. And so one of the things we said to our kids growing up all the time, was this, and if you've worked in the church ever, ever with me, you'd hear this statement, helping hands get things done, half the effort twice the fun, right? You've heard that, haven't you? Yeah. And, and my kids used to say, helping hands get things done, half the fun, twice the effort, right? They, they hated to hear that. We got that from Greg and Joyce. They said that to Kim, and Kim hated it, and so we get married, and so then we use it. That's what the parents do. The things we hate, we give to our kids, and they've heard that their entire life. There are people in our church who say that today because I've said that. And today, my children say to their children, helping hands get things done, half the effort, twice the fun, right? It's a curse. That's what happens. But we also, we also said this to our kids. Dresslers don't quit. And from the time, I'm not kidding you, from the time they could hear at two years, oh, I could hear before two, but but could actually move and be like human beings, dresslers, and they're human beings before that. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a it's a second service. Don't be so judgmental, all right? You should try this. It's not so easy. Um, they're human beings from the womb to the tomb. You know that. So, um, but as, as as soon as they could understand, it's like dresslers don't quit. You're picking up your toys. You don't quit until it's done. You wanted to tassel corn. That's great. It's encouraging. We love that. When you start, you don't quit. You don't quit the first hour. You don't quit when the sun's out. You don't quit when there's not a breeze. You don't quit when you have corn rash. You don't quit. And guess what? They didn't quit. Families teach your kids not to quit. It's valuable. Just plod along, get the job done. And what he's saying to believers is this. It's hard, it's difficult, you've been through it already. More might be coming. Don't quit. Endure. And then he says this as he closes out, and this sets us up now for chapter 11. He says, we're not those who draw back, but of them that believe to the saving or persevering of the soul. And that word believe literally is those who have faith. We don't quit. Why? Because we are those who have faith, and that faith is what you need to persevere. That faith is what you need to continue. That faith has brought you this far. That faith will see you home. So, we know what faith is. Here, definition of faith. This is really easy. This is not hard. Faith is, and, and the King James translates it, belief. It is believing. It is trusting. It is confidence. Our faith means that I believe, that I trust, that I am confident. And it's not a blindness that I just believe anything. Faith always has an object. And the object of our faith is not I feel like it or I'd like it to happen. The object of our faith is the word of God and his character. And so now we come to chapter 11, the one that we quote all the time. I have no idea what it means. And he says in chapter 11 verse one, "Now faith, believing, trusting, confidence, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen." And I want you to know something I've got a couple of things. Number one, this is not a definition of faith. We already know what faith is. We, we just might not understand how it works, but the idea is faith is trusting, believing, having confidence in. This is more of a description of how it works and how it operates. And this was important to get a hold of this morning. A matter of fact, if you're on our loop, I I encourage our people to read Hebrews 11. And it might be wise to read everything after verse number 3, because everything that comes after is describing exactly what he's telling us in verse number 1. Every story that you see, you're going to see their faith, their belief, their confidence, being worked out in their life. So, let's tackle this idea of substance. The substance of things hoped for. It means, literally, solid ground. Faith is our solid ground. Faith is the foundation on which we stand. Faith, my belief, is reality. That's what he's saying. It's reality. So you say, well, well, wait, why does King James translate it substance and others translate it assurance or confidence? And and they're not at odds with each other. Uh, Kent. Hughes says this, genuine faith does bring an assurance or a confidence of what we hope for that is solid. So in the King James, it's objective. This is our foundation in the ESV or the NIV or the CBS or whatever. It's more subjective. We have assurance now because of this foundation. And so what he says is, my belief, what I hope for, is solid. It's good ground. It's assured. What do we hope for? Well, for the Christian, we hope for salvation. We hope that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. He died, was buried, and rose again for our justification. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's what we're talking about. We trust the second coming of Christ. That Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, John 14, I will come again and receive you to where I am. There you may be also. This is our hope. We hope in the resurrection of the body. I I got bad news for you this morning. Whether you get a vaccine or not, you're going to die. I'm serious. A hundred years from now, if God tarries his coming, there's not one person in this room, unless Dan's kids, or the Kestrian kids who are younger, live to be 110, 102, 105. We're going to die. And yet our hope is that like Job, though worms eat this flesh, yet in my eyes I will see him. That's our hope. We hope that all things will be made right when Christ comes to rule and reign. This is our hope. And so we say, now faith, my belief, is the foundation. It's the groundwork um, for the hope that I have, the evidence of things not seen. And be careful with this. My whole life, honestly, my whole life I thought, oh, these are two different things. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But there's no and in between there. These are not different. They're, They're not distinct. They're not on their own. The point is that this firm foundation of my belief, as Oswald Sanders says, that this faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as that which is seen. What he's saying is my faith in what I believe is so solid that I can look at what's not seen and know it is coming to fruition. What I hope for, there is evidence of, and that's what he's speaking about. It is the eye of faith. It is not uncertain. It is clear. It is real seeing. That's why when you read Hebrews 11, there's a portion, I don't know if it's is it Moses or is it Abraham, who says um, that he, he, see, he, he saw him who was invisible. Right? That's the eye of faith. It's not fantasy, it's not worked up feelings, but it's based on God as he's revealed himself. It is confidently laying hold on God's promises in such a way that we see the unseen. God said it, I believe this to be true. It doesn't stop there. Then I build my life on what he said. That's the confidence that I have. That's the belief I have. This substance is sure, it's solid, it's faithful, it, it, it makes it so I can see the things I hope for are actually going to be reality, and I can trust that. The best way, I think, to illustrate this might be a little story, and maybe this will help. If, if you're lost so far, I'm sorry. You, I'm going to try to bring you back into this, all right? When we were in Michigan serving there, we had a youth activity, and we're, we're doing something in a barn, so I took the boys with me. AJ was... At, younger than seven, maybe seven, and Greg was three years behind him. And so I went to work in this barn. We were getting stuff ready for an activity. And when I looked up, both boys were up in the barn loft. There was no fence. Was no, it's a barn loft, right? You farmers, it's a barn loft. That's why I never told Kim what I was doing with the boys. I didn't know what they were doing. I had no idea. I was working, the boys were up in the loft. And I, I like to think that the, the loft was like 30 feet high. I don't, it wasn't 30 feet high. That's a big loft. I don't, I don't even know how high 30 feet is. What's this? This is 16, 20 feet in here? I don't know. Does anybody know? I, it doesn't matter. Anyways, it wasn't that high. It wasn't. It was like 29 feet. And so, um, <laughs> you know how it gets bigger? You know what I mean? It always gets bigger. Maybe it was, I don't know. It was high. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe 10 feet. doesn't matter. It was high. So I'm on the ground, and I, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. AJ's standing at the precipice there, and so is Greg, which your mother would have died for. And I said to AJ, AJ, I promise I'll catch you, jump. And before I got the word jump out of my mouth, that kid took off. And he was, (laughs) woo. honestly. And I could see in his eyes there was anxiety, there was fear, there was everything going on. And he caught me off guard, actually. I wasn't really expecting him to jump. That's what fathers do. You do this. It's a great idea. I didn't expect you to do that. And so, so he jumped. I had to play like center field. I, I did, someone asked me in the first service because I, didn't, I did catch him. I actually caught him. I caught him. Now, you, you say, why in the world would AJ jump? And that's a good question because he's crazy, right? Why would a kid just jump? But he jumped because he trusted my words. I said it. I'm his dad. We have history together. I've never never let him fall on purpose before. I didn't. Uh, Maybe a couple times. But that was before he could remember. Right? He trusted. He trusted my character. And as far as he was concerned, even in fear and anxiety and the unknown, he leaped off of that ledge. And in his mind, he was already safely in my arms. That's faith. It wasn't blind faith. It wasn't. If a stranger came up to AJ and said, jump, he'd be like, you're crazy. Jump. I'm, I don't know who you are. But AJ did. Now, Gregory would not jump. And I said, so he just saw his brother do it. He jumps. I catch him. Everything's safe. And I said, Greg, come on and jump. I'll catch you. And he said, mm-mm. And I said, I will give you money. I, I, I said, I'll give you a dollar. I gave him a quarter. It was a quarter back then because I was cheap. I'm almost Dutch at times. I, I'll give you... I'll give you a quarter. It's like, no, I'll give, you, I'll give you $5. He would not do it, that little atheist. <laughs> I had to go up there and carry him down. Right? I don't know if the issues, he has issues to this day. We're still trying to deal with those. All right? <laughs> but do you see the, the power of what faith is? And, and here in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to see. Heroes and heroines. And and what's amazing about this list, when you think about it, it's going to tell us that every Christian, no matter who you are or where you find yourself in life or what you have or don't have, you must live by this same faith. There is male and female in this list. Some reputable, some not so reputable. There are Jews and Gentiles in this list. There are young, like really young and really old. Noah was old. Old, like, all oh, 600 years old, right? And yet they all practice faith in blessings and in burdens. You should read the end of chapter 11. It doesn't all turn out well for everyone. But by faith, they did what God told them to do. On the basis of what they knew about God, his character, and his promises, they had the courage to move out into the unknown and set their hearts upon And life's controlled by a great unseen reality. Christian, this is real seeing. This is real seeing. Why? Because the things that we see today are temporal. All of them. Everything we see, feel, and touch someday will be gone. It will be gone. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Eternal. And this is the eye of faith that says, God said this. This is my foundation, so much so that I see clearly it's already done. It will already come to pass. And in my anxiety and my anxiousness, I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to obey him whether I see the end of it or not, because I know he is good. His character is good. His record is good. And everything in my life is for my good ultimately and his glory. And that's what we'll see. This is what happened in salvation, is it not? And, and, you know, I I think sometimes we act to the world like, oh, yeah, you believe in a fake Jesus. It never existed. That's, That's not even true. That's not even intellectually honest. The biblical witnesses are faithful, reliable witnesses. They gave their lives. They gave their lives, and there was nothing in it for them other than to die. They weren't rich. They didn't make money off of a story from the tabloids. We, we have the, the sacred writers. We have secular sources that say, yeah, Jesus lived. He died just like they said. They're not Christians. They know that's historical. It is really intellectually dishonest to say that he didn't exist. He did exist. And besides, the tomb is empty. Both his friends and foes said that. But there's something more than that. In every human being, the Bible says that God has put eternity into our hearts. My uncle Dennis took his life when I was a kid. I was probably, I don't know, we had a bunch of suicides in our family. My, my, bro, my, my dad lost a brother and a cousin. My mom lost three brothers to suicide. Bad deal. And I remember specifically, I know where I was at when I heard that my uncle was dead. And this is weird, just weird. Um, and the good thing I didn't share it on the tape this morning because this is brand new. So, anyways. So, I, went, I remember going into the, the bathroom, finding it out, and just staring at myself in a mirror. And looking into my eyes, thinking, I have a living soul. It, it dawned on me that I was not just this, I was a living soul. And it dawned on me that this soul would live forever somewhere. And it horrified. I was, I thought about my Uncle Dennis and his lifestyle and all those things. And I just thought, this is eternity in my heart. It's there. And so when men and women sit then and they hear the story of Jesus Christ, there was one who loved you and gave himself for you who stepped into your place. I can hardly think about the third stanza of both those songs that we sang. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Oh my, I don't know how it goes after that. I can't sing it after that. Praise the Lord, right? And we sit and we hear the story, and then something happens. The Spirit of God, the living Holy Spirit, shouts, this is true! This is right. This is the only way. And by faith, that belief, I then cast my whole soul, my whole being, on who Jesus Christ said he was and what he did. That's salvation. And that's what we have. But understand this morning, we're not only saved by faith. We're to live by faith. And in order to do that, in order to please God, we have to live by faith confidently laying hold on the promises of God and what he said and allowing to see the unseen and adjusting our lives. And so, I submit to you this morning that every believer in this room, we have decisions to make. Will I please God by living in faith or will I not? And listen, when I I say to you that faith is in every aspect of our life, I am telling you the truth. Okay, so... When it comes to the Bible, we are blessed. We have the Bible on our phones today. You should read in China when they bring in Bibles to these underground churches, people kiss them and weep over them. So the world says, why would you read an archaic text? written at least 2,000 years ago. Why do that? Well, by faith, God says, my word is life. My word is a lamp unto your feet. My word is like honey to your lips. My word is powerful. My word changes things. And so for the believer, when I get up in the morning, I would just say, am I going to live by faith? Am I going to believe that that is his word and read his word and meditate on his word and ponder his word, believing that this is exactly what it is? Even saying that, can you imagine? You have the word of God, the almighty Living God has given you a book. And by faith I say, God, I believe this love letter is from you. Therefore, I will read it and meditate on it, and I will adjust accordingly. When we pray, that, that's faith because it's the unseen. I'm not just praying in my car. As someone walks by, a guy's talking to himself. Uh-oh. Or in a room. We believe that Jesus Christ has torn the veil, that we have complete access to the Father, that by his grace we go before the throne and we cast our burdens upon him because he cares for us. It's faith. It's faith. Do you know why Christian men and women who are married should stay together? It's an act of faith. I believe what God said, that the union of a husband and wife shows the glory of Christ and his church. And it's no longer about me. And when the world tells me to be happy and do your own thing, and you don't deserve this, I say, wait a minute. By faith, I know that what I'm doing is of the utmost importance. Therefore, I will adjust accordingly, which means sometimes I say no to myself, I pour myself out, I lead as I'm supposed to, which is selflessness. I don't think about myself. Or sometimes it's just shutting up. You're grumpy? Shut up. It's an act of faith. I'm going to be right on this. And by the way, men, don't be grumpy or moody. That's wicked. Bizarre, actually. You have no reason to be. That's extra. I don't even know if that's by faith. That's just me saying things I probably should not say right now. But Kim's not here, and it's not being recorded. So we'll just move on. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's being recorded. Oh, why didn't you tell me that when we started? <laughs> A bit different. All right. All right, it's being recorded. Okay, sorry about that, honey. Um, (laughs) An act of faith, the, the way we raise our children. By faith, I believe that these children are not a headache, not a problem. They are the gift of God. Happy is the man whose quiver is full, and I'm going to shoot them out like an arrow to impact this world for Christ. That's faith. That's faith. Do you know why you should go to work every day? For those who need to work every day, and men, you need to work every day? Right because it's through work, by faith, that God allows me to provide for myself and by faith care for the needs of others. Hey, young people, just some word of advice since I'm going crazy this morning. It's being recorded. Don't ever marry a lazy person. Ever. I'm not joking. Don't do it. Do you know why? It will be a thorn in your flesh for the rest of your life. We're not designed to be lazy. We're designed to work and be creative and we have purpose in life. And lazy people never accomplish much of anything other than feeding their own flesh. Don't do that. And on the flip side of that, do you know why men and women in our culture should not work 100 hours a week and neglect everything else? Because by faith, I believe that this world is passing away. And the amount that I have in my retirement, I'm not, saying, I'm not against retirement, but if that's what I'm living for, that's what I'm driving at, I've missed something and I don't believe God's word. It's an act of faith. The reason I watch what I say daily, or I should, because I believe that my speech should be seasoned with grace, and then I'm going to give an account for every idle word that I speak. So this idea of faith is not like, oh, I have faith in church. No, we have faith every day of our life. When I grab the promises of God and then I adjust accordingly, why in the world would a man in China say, hey, we're having church knowing, knowing he's going to prison? Why would you do that? The world says foolishness. God says You've seen the eternal. You've seen my kingdom. You've seen my face. Everything we do, is my faith, my life, my time, my talents, my treasures. And I must take a hold of the word of God. I say I believe it. Christian, it's not enough to sit back and say, I believe that, I believe that. The fact is, you don't believe that. You don't really believe that until your faith is activated to where I do it. Faith is like the bridge between knowing and doing. I do believe, therefore I adjust. And the problem for most of us, if not all of us this morning, we have not been living by faith. We got in by faith and we're happy, we're rescued by faith alone, grace alone. We got it all covered. And yet daily, we look at the word of God and we sort of pick and choose. I don't know, I feel like that today. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so our challenge this morning is to understand what faith is, how it operates, and then to adjust our lives accordingly. And I would submit we all have work to do here. There's a verse in in Luke chapter 18, verse 8. I think that's where it's at. And it's strange. Jesus says there, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith? I always thought that was a weird verse. It's like, well, Jesus, we don't find faith? Will you come? Will you find any faith? And the story there is really interesting. It's about the unjust judge, and the, and the woman keeps on coming back over and over and over again. Finally, the judge is sick of it and says, yeah, give her what she wants. This is just endurance. This is continuing. And now I understand. I wonder when Jesus comes back to our Western churches and our comfortable congregations and our Sunday deal that we do for an hour and a half, will he find any faith? Will he find Christian men and Christian women and Christian young people who say, this is God's word. I believe it. It is my solid ground, so much so that I can see the unseen. So much so that even in my fear and my anxiety, I can jump off knowing I am already safe in his arms. And so, Church of Jesus Christ, may we be the church where Jesus says, yeah, they got faith. (laughs) They're living it out. They're practicing it. It's hard. It's scary at times. And and even the things they talk about in life. You know, and I know, there are things that we decide to do as a believer that the world will frown upon, that they will not understand, that you could lose some stuff over. This church did. And he said, remember what you did. You can't lose that. You've got to bear under that because faith will enable you to do it. Why? Because like every example in Hebrews, they were seeing to a city whose builder and maker was God. And they knew none of this is lasting, but what's lasting is worth giving my life for. And so today, Christian, give your life for it. Just give your life for it. And please God in the process. It's a beautiful thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for this group of believers. I thank you we could gather. How sweet that is. But Lord, it's not just a gathering. It's adoring you and worshiping you and praising you and listening to your word and being convicted and asking for grace to change and to help. Lord, forgive us as a church, as myself. I think about faith in my life. Lord, help us to grab hold of your promises in such a way that we see the unseen, that it's solid, and it's good, and it's foundational in our lives. So much so that we can jump. Even in our fear and our anxiety, we can go to places that are unknown to us that could be scary, knowing that you're already there, and you will safely catch us no matter what. So we thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.